Father, we just pray that you would have your way today. I thank you for what you've already done. I actually thank you for what faith prayed. Faith has no idea. It was a really prophetic prayer. So I say yes and amen to everything that um, faith prayed over us as a house, as a people, as a community. So, Father, we think of those that, that aren't here, keeping your prayers, Grace and Laurie, particularly Grace. Uh, she is in Melbourne over the next couple of weeks. Um, one of those areas is she's finishing up her, the school of the prophetic that she's been doing and she has her final presbytery, as well as she has her prophetic painting. She's launching a book and that happens. So, Father, we think of her, God, during this time, this really busy, important season of her life. Father, we pray, Lord, all of your blessings upon her. Give Laurie peace, God, in amongst all of that, Lord, in his comings and going, in his support and all that sort of stuff. Father, we just pray that you would be with them. And Father, this day, Lord, regardless of church, regardless of denomination, regardless of service, length, time, start, Lord, Father, all of that. Father, we just pray that your spirit would have, Lord, his way in every service, Lord, through every church that people would be convicted and convinced, challenged, changed, made brand new. Lord, that each and every one of us would not leave our places of worship the same way that we walked in. So have your way through Ballarat, that Ballarat may be a different place because of your spirit. So we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the wonderful opportunity we have and the privilege we have to come together as your children to worship you, to praise you, to glorify you. We thank you for our time together. And we just say and give you permission to have your way this day. Amen. Well, who can believe that's already, like, we're in the first week, almost the second week of October. <laughs> like, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? October. That means start buying Christmas presents for family, yeah? Like, it's October. 2016 has just flown. And... I don't know about you, every once in a while I become a little bit reflective and I just think about life, life in general, how am I tracking, how am I going, how am I, how am I, how am I doing as a dad, Ba-bow, you know, how am I going as a husband, it's a sort of a tick with a cross, how am I doing as a minister, I just reassess life, you reassess stuff, you know, and I was having one of those moments this week thinking, Lord, what have you got for me, you know, what, what's, what's the next step, and his, his answer was, was really quite amusing because it came like God often speaks to me through movies. <laughs> and it was like, well, just your next step is to take the next step. And I said, well, I'm not sure where that is. And he goes, well, just take it. Well, I can't take a step if I don't know where I'm going. And he goes, well, that's not faith. If you know where you're going, you need to take the next step. And then seriously, like absolutely unbelievable. I'm reading and what comes up on my feed on the computer, Indiana Jones. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Now, I don't know about you, for those of you that have ever watched any of the Indiana Jones movies, um, but there's one where they're searching for the Holy Grail and his father's been wounded, he's dying, and he's following this map and, and, he, and he walks through this little you know, cavern, I guess, tunnel, and he gets to the edge and then there's just this it, it, it's, it feels like it's almost the size of the Grand Canyon, you know? Like, there is no way that I can get to the doorway on the other side. There is just no way. And he's there and he's looking at this map and he's checking, yes, this is where I'm supposed to be. 
you know. And in the background, one of his helpers that's through all of the movies yells out, goes, Indy, quick, he's dying, you know, your dad's dying. And he's looking at this drop to death and he's looking here and he goes, no one can make that jump. No one, no, it's not possible to make that jump. And as he, as he stands there, he goes, it's a leap of faith. And he walks to the edge and he closes his eyes and he's sweating, you know, because they build up really good tension in a movie, you know. And he, and he puts his hands here like they're on his heart. And it's like, oh my goodness, I'm doing this for you, Dad, but I'm about to die. And so he lifts his leg up. It's really, it's, it's the funniest part because he just doesn't step. He sort of lifts his leg up straight and then drops. And as he does that, he lands on a platform that he can't see. Yeah? And God said to me, take your next step. Take your next step. I got you. Take your next step. Yeah? Sometimes in life we just need to take the next step. So I don't know if any of you ever have those moments, but certainly I think our whole faith walk is like that. It's one step at a time, one foot at a time, one step at a time, one foot at a time, one step at a time, one foot at a time. And all of that together is faith. Yeah? All of that together is faith. And while I was pondering all of that, you know, the complexity of stepping, you know, to something that doesn't look like it's there, God reminds me of his mission, of his mission. And he reminds me that our mission is his mission. It's one and the same, yeah? And, and I, I want to share how, how he did that, but I just want to cover a couple of things because... In John 3.17, it says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Yeah. So Father God sends his son, Jesus. So Jesus was sent as, as part of Papa's plan. What was he sent for? He was sent to save. So God's mission, if you're asking me, my personal opinion, is to save. It's to save the lost. It's to save those that are separated from him. That's why I... I, I connect with Faith's prayer because Faith has no idea what I'm talking about today, yet she prayed into that very thing, yeah? In Genesis 3.9, the scripture reads, And the Lord God called, called to the man, where are you? See, from the moment that God called out, where to Adam, where are you? He, he's actually he, he's displaying his mission. Adam, where have you gone? What, what's going on? You know, he's, he's showing us his heart. See, in those scriptures, his mission's obvious. And it was always to save us, to bring us back into right relationship. So because of that tree, because of the fruit, because of Adam and Eve, because of all of that stuff, however you want to unpack it, because of the enemy's craftiness, we find and have found ourselves out of relationship with Father God. Is that fair enough? But Father God's heart has always been to restore our lives back to the way that he had purposed, the way that they're meant to be. You know, Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. He came to save us, humanity. We were lost because we were separated from him, out of love and out of relationship. The message version actually captures, captures this idea of, of the mission really well, I think, in, those same, in that same verse, but with another Luke 19, 9 to 10 says, Jesus said, Today is salvation day in this home. 
Today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the son of man came to find and restore the lost. What did he come to restore? He came to restore our relationship. Salvation comes to a home. We're brought back to a home. He came to save us so that we could be part of his family. That's his mission, yeah? And in Luke 19.10, we often read, for the Son of Man came to find and save the lost, or to restore the lost, depending on your version. But when you read the, the scripture before that, and all of it in context, it was about Zacchaeus. It was about the one. It's always about the one. Daddy's mission is about saving the one. Yeah? Papa God's mission is about saving the one. He came to save us. Now get this, right? Not to save us from sin. All right, let's get our theology right, okay? Not to save us from sin. He came to save us from an eternity separated from him. He came to save us from an eternity with no love relationship for God. That's what he came to save us from. And in doing that, he dealt with the issue of sin, yeah? It's fundamental to our theology. His focus was always us. His focus wasn't the sin issue. His focus was to grab Marion and bring her back home, that salvation would come, that she would be back in right relationship with him, and in that he dealt with the sin issue, yeah? So that's Daddy's mission. That, that, that's then our mission. Now, how did I get onto this thought about what he desires? I'm going to get um, Laurie to play a video, and, and I want you to watch it. It's, it's a clip for a, a movie that's not yet out. It's a clip for, from a, a, a um, Mel Gibson movie that they are saying is already going to take out all sorts of awards. It's based on a true story. And I want you to watch it, but I want you to listen carefully to the words. Is that all right? Thanks, guys. If we could have the lights as well. What the hell is your delay, Captain? We're waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private Doss. Who the hell is Private Doss? I always dreamed about being a doctor, but I uh, didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. What, you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. And that's going to be my way to serve. This is a personal gift from the United States government designed to bring death to the enemy. Well, I'm sorry, Sergeant. I can't touch a gun. You don't kill. No, sir. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war. Private Doss does not believe in violence. Do not look to him to save you on the battlefield. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is cowardice. I'll fall in love with you because you weren't like anyone else. Saying you could go to prison. But I don't know how I'm gonna live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. With the world so set on tearing itself apart, doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. Private Doss, you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself. Who did this? Pass the card. 
we have to go back up to now. And they're not gonna go up there without you. Today's message <laughs> might be just for me. But when he, said, when he prayed those words, please, Lord, let me get one more. I have watched that six or seven times. I can't stop the tears. I just can't stop the tears. And God said, my mission is your mission. Just one more. Just one more. <laughs> Lord, just one more. You know, I want to be controversial if I can. Because I know the house that we're building here. I know what people love and what they don't like, you know, about Mount Clear Church. But we are a house that is engaging with God where we experience and encounter Him. And then we bring that experience and encounter as we engage with one another, His church. And then it's from there that we go out to the community so that they actually experience and encounter a loving, living God, yeah? He didn't come to heal. Jesus never died on a cross to heal. He didn't die on a cross that we could give prophetic words. He didn't. It's not why he came. He didn't come to make us feel good so that life would be all rosy. He didn't do that. He didn't come for those things. What he came for was you. What he came for was you. He came and brought salvation into his home and our home by bringing us back into his family. See, when he came, he came to fix our passports, to fix our citizenship, because somehow we ended up in the wrong country. But now we are aliens, foreigners to this land, are we not? Is that what the Bible says? His overwhelming desire is you and me. It's us. His creation. And he wants to stir, I believe he wants to stir, not just within us, but I'm going to say within the churches of Ballarat. I even know there's a church in Ballarat today that's having their mission conference in and around the same stuff. He wants to stir and fan into flame and make alive the same heart desire that he has inside of us. You know, there's a, an awesome scripture. We're going to read it and I want to unpack it because I think it shows the reality of what God came to do. Yeah? And that's Luke 17. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go there. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. As Luke 17, verse 11, I should say. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. He looked at them and said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! 
He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't he heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. This is such a a powerful passage of scripture because there's there's so much that we can unpack and so much that we can learn from it. See, we are are a people and we are a community and we are a church that has grown in spirit over the last few years. That is evident. When people come, and I I don't share this to boast, but I share this to boast in the goodness of God, yeah? See, it's never about having a 1,000 people or 5,000 people or 500 people or 50 people. But it's about the presence within the place, the atmosphere in the place, the heart of the people that are carrying what God has given them. When we have guest ministers that come here, over the years, they all go away saying the same thing. It's such a beautiful place to minister at. There's such a presence of God. There's an openness to his spirit. So I know that's our house. We've walked out our true identity, our original design. We've been on that. We've talked about that. We're learning that because we still grapple with some of our default reactions to things, yeah? We've learned about living as orphans compared to living as sons and, and we've discovered more and more and more that we are created for relationship with him and then relationship with one another, amen? We're in covenant together. And Father God gives us words often that are for us to work through us for those around us. And and I reckon one of the most exciting things that we're we're, we're walking out, I keep thinking of of the prophecy over my life and the life of the church, and it's that I will be walking to a place I've never been, with a machete in hand cutting through long grass, taking people with me to a place I've never gone. So I haven't been there. Thus, I'm understanding why sometimes I feel like there's nothing in front of me. But the people of God that are following haven't been there either. Yeah? So I'm all okay with that because what we've learned is that his word, his voice and his healing power are alive and well for us to live in and experience every day. Amen? You know, I love how we, even this morning during the worship, how Georgia just made space for the Spirit of God to move. You know? I love it when I catch up with Dan and Claire, who are often really quite busy with the John G. Lake Ministries. That's why we don't see them here. They're still a part of our church. Um, but they're often in Melbourne and they're witnessing to people and they're praying healing over people and they're watching miracles happen. I love it when Dion goes out, whether he's on his own or whether he's with one or two people from here or one or two people from another church, he goes out treasure hunting. And they get pictures and words for people that they've never met. I love how God does that. I love it. You know, I love the way God has healed people in this very place. You know, even a couple of weeks ago, I spoke because of my knee about us creating an atmosphere that's conducive for God to move and to heal and to carry that anointing, yeah? I mean, seriously, church, who doesn't like the miraculous? No one in their right mind would say, oh, I don't like that. Freaks me out. <laughs> like, no one says that. Well, actually, there's probably people that do, but not here. But as God was talking to me, I felt like there was something missing, something that helps tie it all together, something that, that works like glue. And as God started to speak to me, 
And he rem- what he did was he reminded me of his breaking heart. When I watched that video, like I said, I, I get to that last part about Father, you know, help me get just one more. And I break down because I can hear God's heart. I can hear his heart to us, just one more, just one more. So he longs for his sons and daughters to come home. He longs and longs and longs and longs for his children to come home. Healing is awesome. I want more in this house. I want more in the atmosphere I carry as an ambassador of God wherever I go. I want more. But he wants sons and daughters to come home. More than that. Prophetic words for people are great. They're awesome. But he longs for his children to sit at his feet. Yeah? And as he reminded me of all of that, the tears, the tears. Like, man, the tears. I'm sitting in my office. Faith comes and she looks at me. She goes, what are you doing? Look at Faith, come and watch this. (laughs) I'm in my car with Mel and I put it on my phone and I go, watch it. She's watching it on my phone. I'm crying. I go, what do you think? She goes, I couldn't hear it. Well, obviously I know what's going on because I'm crying. (laughs) So like I said, maybe it's just for me. But as those tears flowed, I was broken with a reality. This is me being totally and absolutely 100% transparent, yeah? Take it as you will. I was broken with the reality that I don't think his mission, his reality is my reality. I was broken because I thought, I don't think I think like him. I don't don't burn with the same passion for the lost. I, I should... I'm not consumed with the same desire for those that don't know Jesus. We pray it, but does it keep us awake at night? I realise that I'm actually, I'm not upset all of the time with pain at the knowledge that people are going to die a death being forever separated from Father God, from Daddy. And so now I find myself in a place with that clip saying, Lord, just one more. I, I love Paul. Paul. Paul had God's heart. He just really did. Romans 9.3. All of this is not about us feeling sad about ourselves, but it's wanting to be closer to God. It's wanting to grab a hold of his heart, to feel the way that he feels, to become more and more like Jesus, yeah? Romans 9.3, For my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. This is Paul crying out. That's him saying, Lord, just one more. Just one more. That's Papa's heart. That's his mission. That's the very thing that keeps us going. When Jesus was walking, carrying the cross, and he kept falling, but he kept getting back up, it was for the joy set before him. We are his joy. It was him saying, just one more. He was saying, Father, help me get up. Just one more. Because he knew if he would get to the cross, relationships would be restored. Salvation would come to his home. It's the one is always his focus. And it needs to be our focus. It needs to be the glue that puts everything together. 
You know, why do we worship the way we worship? Because we want the presence of God to come and move. We want to experience Him so, and encounter His love and know within us how much He loves us so that when we interact with people, they get a genuine love of God and then we can draw them to the same place, to a Father that loves them unconditionally. The one is always the focus. It's not the worship, Yeah. Why We pray for people to be healed because he tells us that we can pray and lay hands and do all of that. Tells us to get elders and anoint with oil or lay hands and pray for the sick. And now why do we do that? Is it just because he tells us? Is it just because he wants to see people healed? Because if that was the case, everybody we laid hands on, everyone we prayed for would be healed. It doesn't even happen in developing nations. Even they have a percentage that don't get healed. Because it's not about the healing. But it's about the one finding him, coming back home, saved from an eternity without him. Matthew 28, 19, we all know it. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I love it. He tells us to make disciples, go into all the nations and make disciples. He's saying, make followers of Jesus. Make followers of Jesus. He starts with that. He starts with that. Then he unpacks for us on how to do it, teaching them to obey what I've commanded you. What has he commanded us? To love one another the way that he's loved us. So go and make disciples, go out into all the nations, get, make followers of Jesus. How do we do that? Do them with what I've taught you. Love on them the way I've loved on you. Yeah? But first, it's a salvation. First, it's the go and get them, and this is how you do it. Yeah? For those of us that went to Bible college that long ago that our children weren't born yet, it's not standing on a corner on a milk crate. Yeah? Telling people they're dying, perishing, going to hell. And it's really not that effective. I find that love works much better without the milk crate. We've just substituted now the milk crate and the condemnation for a coffee and love. It works better. <laughs> he wants his children home with him. It's God's heartbeat. It's daddy's heartbeat. Everything else comes from that place. Everything else is his desire to bring us back home. All of our life, our relationships, power, grace, forgiveness, healing, all of that stuff, it's the glue. That one, that desire the lost, it's the glue that keeps us all together. It's the thing that gives us energy. It's the thing that gives us a purpose to pick up our cross and follow him. You know, why can we do all things in Christ? Why can we do greater things? Why do the sick get healed when we pray? Why do, why do we get words for people? Why can we have a conversation with the King of Kings? Why? Because we've been saved. Yeah? Because we've been invited into his home. We wouldn't be able to do those things if we weren't saved, if he didn't find us when we were lost, if salvation didn't come into our home. I reckon that's really exciting. <laughs> I know. Some people need to smile. Put a smile on your dial. You get one back. I tr trust me. We've been brought back into relationship with him. Our relationship with Father God's been restored. We're part of his family. And you know what? I've learned something about God. There's always more. There's always more. 
there is always more. And he wants a bigger family. He just wants a bigger family. Those other things are good, but they're not the reason we exist. They are, hear my heart, they are a byproduct of being a child of God, being a citizen of heaven, an ambassador, seated in heavenly places with him, with the fullness of God living within us. They are a byproduct of that. Amen? Our hearts should cry, just one more, just one more, just one more. Let me show you. You've got these ten lepers. Let's go back to this for a minute. And all the way through, if you, if you actually read Luke, from chapter 9 all the way through to, to, to Luke 19, 9 to 19, Jesus is going backwards and forwards to Jerusalem. There's a couple of trips here and he's going all over the place. And in that, there's heaps of heaps of healings that are happening. But Luke only records five of those healings. He only records five of them. Now, the reality is, during his ministry on earth, Jesus almost eradicates all disease. And the reality is that there is no way on this side of blue earth, that there's enough paper to even contain all of the miracles and things that Jesus has done. The Bible even says that, doesn't it? John 21, 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Yeah? So he's done a stack of stuff. But Luke only captures five. One of those is the ten lepers. One of those is the healing of the ten lepers. And, and we know that they're lepers. It wasn't just a skin disease. We know that they're full-blown lepers because the scripture says that they stood at a distance. All right, They stood at a distance. See, they weren't allowed to have communion, conversation, relationship with people. They weren't allowed, disbarred from humanity only allowed to speak to one another. I mean, the scripture there in verse 12 is very clear. As he entered the village, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. They knew, they were totally aware that they were not permitted yeah, to have conversation with others, let alone Samaritans with a Jew. Yeah. In those days, people actually thought that those that had leprosy were under a curse. They actually believed that it was divine judgment. <laughs> Think about it. It's got to be the worst of the absolute worst. The people you need most, your loving family and friends, you're not allowed to spend time with. You're not allowed to. It's law. All the way back from Leviticus 13 and 14, it's law. You're a leper, see you later, you're out. If you think you're healed, show yourself to the priest, but otherwise, you're out there. Thanks very much, enjoy your life. <laughs> like... It was terrible, absolutely terrible. But in this, and particularly this passage, Jesus shows compassion, he shows sympathy, he shows power. And, and he starts to change the mindsets of people because they thought it was a divine judgment, but Jesus comes and heals them. Well, it can't be a divine judgment if he's healed them, yeah? It was a really special miracle. And it wasn't just because there was 10 of them. I mean, I would love to pray for one person and see 10 people healed of the same thing. How good would that be? Seriously. We'd be popping streamers and like the, the word would go around Ballarat. Well, I'd have it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. The other churches would know. Like, I'd be bragging about it. We'd be like, oh, awesome. You should have seen what God did. And not just to one, not to two, not even five. He did it to 10. Like, we'd be over the moon, wouldn't we? Seriously, if, that, if you weren't over the moon after 10 phenomenal healings like that, really, we need to come and just shake some life back into you. We've got jumper leads that work, you know. 
There's two other things that are really important. See, leprosy was a terrible disease. And most of us, when we think leprosy, we just think, you know, skin's falling off, the ends of their fingers are gone, you know, sometimes their toes. We just think of, you know, that's what I think of anyway, you know, just bits and pieces falling off, half a nose gone, some fingers missing, stuff like that, you know. Now, there's some truth to that, but that, but that's not how it works. See, the reality is that leprosy actually... It, it, it's not your skin that falls off or parts of your body that, that start to, to become frail and fall away. It, it's like an anaesthetic. It, it actually numbs your joints. It numbs all of you. You no longer feel pain. You, you no longer feel pain. So in those days, if you were asleep and a rat came and started to chew the end of your finger off, I know I'm graphic, I know, right? You wouldn't feel it. You wouldn't know. If you were walking along and you rolled your ankle in and you can't walk, you need an operation, ligaments like an AFL footballer, you wouldn't feel that pain. So your body, you would just start to walk different because there's nothing telling you that it's actually that you're hurt. People would go blind with leprosy because, and not even back then... Not, not even all that long ago in third world countries because they would wash their hands and their face but they've got no feeling, they're numb. So they can't tell it's scalding water that they're washing with and eventually over time they actually injure themselves and they go blind. Like leprosy was a terrible, terrible disease. Not in itself but because of what it did to the human body. Yeah? I've got all these stories of people with leprosy, but I'm just going to pass over it. So the Lord heals these lepers. So what you've got to understand is skin starts to grow back. Fingers now are whole. Crooked ankles are straight. Limps are gone. Noses reappear. Ears are there. Eyebrows are back. Like, when you think of the valley of the dry bones, we think of all the bones coming together, and then all the skin and the sinew and the muscles all coming together. This was the same thing. This was an unbelievable miracle. Stuff just appeared that wasn't there. You've got to understand, if they were missing half an arm, it was just there. You know, they had a hole in their face, it was there again. They had lost all their hair, their hair was there again. It was an unbelievable miracle in the day. An absolutely unbelievable miracle. Bit by bit, they were put back together. The wonder in this miracle is, the lepers wouldn't even have known it was happening because they couldn't feel anything anyway. So the first time that they realised that they were healed was when they looked at one of their ten buddies. Oh my goodness, Trevor, your nose, you've got your nose back. Man, wow, that's awesome. Faith, toes, your toes, they're back. And then they would have looked at themselves and realised, yeah? They wouldn't have felt anything before that. They were waiting for Jesus to say, you're healed. What a huge miracle. Of course, Jesus is going to say, listen, guys, this was so supernatural. This was so freaky. I'm letting you know now, you're healed. They were waiting for those words. But Jesus never spoke those words. Not once did he speak those words, not even in, in Luke chapter 5 when he, when he heals the one leprous person. He says to them, go and don't tell anyone. Yeah? Go and show yourself to the priest, but don't tell anyone. Like, he never says, you're healed. In fact, verse 14 says, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. 
As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. So instead, he tells them just to go and show themselves to the priest. He asks them to step out in faith. He asks them to take that leap of faith. They don't even know they're healed yet. And it's on the journey of going to show themselves to the priest that they start to realise amongst themselves, dude, you're healed, your back, your toes, your fingers, your face. They start to realise on the journey. I just love the fact that Jesus never said that they were healed and he tells them to go see the priests. The priests were the health inspectors. Could you imagine if I was your health inspector? Oh my goodness, thank goodness and it's not like that today. They were the health inspectors of the day. You went to the priest and they would pronounce you clean, but it would take like eight days. And if they wanted to, the process could take another eight days and there would be sacrifices and all sorts of stuff that went into that. Go show yourself to the priest. They had to exercise faith just to go. He never says they're healed. There's no record in Scripture of him laying hands on them. We read the words where they say, you know, have mercy on us. And he says, go and show yourself to the priest. I mean, I could imagine the doubt in their head. They would have thought, am I really healed? I feel the same. I felt nothing before. I feel nothing now. I feel the same. I don't feel different. I wonder what the priest will say. What happens if, I, if he says I'm not healed? So off they go, down the road, all ten. And on the way they're healed. Man, they would have been throwing a party. They would have been like the Western Bulldog supporter in the middle of you know, Flinders Street after the grand final. Woohoo, we won, 62 years. They would have just been throwing a party. Spoke to my brother during the week. And he said, oh, I caught up with this person and we met at this place and, you know, they had uh, one of their kids with them and so we had a drink, we stayed there, had something to eat. Then we went to the game, we won the game, woo So we went back to that place and we, we had a drink, we had something to eat and then we thought, we'll go back, we know where some of our friends are and they went back to Sedan and went to another place so they could party the fact that they had won. I reckon these 10 guys would have partied all the way as they went to the priest. I can't believe it, check it out. I reckon they even punched each other just to check to see if it hurt. I can feel that. Yes, so can I. You know, I just reckon they would have been living the dream. Yeah? You've got to put yourself in their position. They would have been living the dream. Now, watch this. As they realise they're healed, one stops and turns around. One of the ten goes, oh, my Godzilla, I am healed. I am healed. How can this be? Now, I want to suggest, I think at this point, he realises that he's been in the presence of God. That God has brought healing to his life, yeah? Now, what's God's mission? To bring sons and daughters back home, back into relationship with him. That's his mission. I believe when that leper turned around, deep down inside of him, he knew there was more. I believe, my suggestion, I'm putting it out there, that inside of him there was an awareness, there was a longing, And so as he starts to turn back and as he starts to head to Jesus, it wasn't just to say, sorry. Inside of him was a desire that it had been rekindled, a desire to be reconciled back with God because he knew that was the one that had saved him, that had healed him. He knew it had to be God. And so he makes his way back. I believe his heart was longing for relationship with that divine healer, Jesus. He wanted to give himself to that divine healer. He falls flat on his face 
And he just worships and adores and he prays and he, and he thanks him. He wanted something more than just a physical healing. That's why it says in verse 15 and 60, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Now, here's the other amazing part about this miracle. See, it was never about the healing. Even though there's 10, even though it's one of those show-stopping you know, miracles, one of those show-stopping supernatural things, it was never about the healing. It was never about the healing. It was always about the one. You know, Lord, just one more. Jesus asks him a question, where are the others? Wasn't there, wasn't there nine others? Wasn't there, you know, ten of you? Okay, there's a couple of things here. One, Jesus is God. He knows he healed ten. You know, he didn't forget. In that moment, when he came back, Jesus didn't forget. Wasn't there? What? I think there was nine more. No, it wasn't that. It was like there are, not, there are nine others. Where, where are they? The question was asked in, in that light. There are nine others. Where, where are they? Why, why didn't they come back? And there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we don't have time to get into. But listen to what Jesus says. In verse 17, Jesus asks, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God, God except this foreigner? Verse 19, And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Go. Your faith has healed you. This is where the English language just lets us down. See, some versions will say, Go. Your faith has made you well. Yeah? Now, Oh, you've got to get this. You have to get this. You have to get this. This is him just saying, here's my mission. Here's my heart. Grab my heart. It's not about the stuff that comes with the relationship. It's about my heart. It wasn't just that one was healed and it wasn't that, that he was healed at all. It wasn't even that he was made well because there were 10 altogether. It wasn't just about the one. It was never just in relation to the healing. Yeah. So what was Jesus saying? When he, when he, when he asked the question, didn't I, didn't I heal 10? Wasn't there 10 men? When he goes on and says, where are the other nine? Has no one returned? Stand up, your faith has healed you. This is what he's saying. You're going to love this because the whole story is playing out and the whole story as we've read it was never about the miracle. It was always about the one. So when he says healed, yeah, the verb is not the word. It's not, it's not the word, I can't even pronounce it, Iomai. Yeah, that was the word that he used for healed in verse 17. So in verse 17, in verse 15, I should say, when it reads in verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, that's the word Iome, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. That's the verb for healed, yeah? Go with me here. Now, it's not the word for cleansed, catharizo, which is used back in verse 14. Because in verse 14, he, said, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed, catharizo. So it's not AMA healed. It's not catharizo uh, cleansed. You're gonna, it's the word sozo. The word here is sozo. It's the word for salvation. It's the word for salvation. The Gospels use this word. Even the epistles use this word, sozo, for saved and salvation. So when God, when he says, when he says to this person, your faith has healed you, he's saying your faith, you are saved. You have been made well. You are saved. Salvation has come to your home. It was never about the healing. It was never about the ten. Jesus, in that one line, brought prominence and imminence and, and authority and, and priority and said, it's about the salvation. It's not what I'm able to do. It's about the fact that salvation has come to his home. 
Just one more, Lord. Just one more. You know what? You're saved. You're saved. You're, so Jesus is saying, go on your way. You are now saved. Go on your way. You're part of my family. Go on your way. You can have relationship with Father. Go on your way. We are brothers and sisters. Today, by the way, today salvation has come to our home. Today. It was never about the healing. It was always about making a way home for the lost, for the sick, for the hurting, for the separated. Yeah, Our church, churches, aren't about the healing. They're about making a way home for the lost, the hurting, those outside of relationship with God, for the lost. A byproduct of coming into right relationship and being in his family is now the same things that he did we are able to do. And we can use those things to help reach the lost. Amen? Our whole faith, everything we do, all we have available to us, all the authority we carry because of who we are, it's not about the signs, it's not about the miracles, it's not about the wonders. They are all good things, great things, amen things. The church needs to see, live in, experience and encounter more of those things. It's all about the one. It's all about bringing the lost home. It's all about saving those that need saving. And if that's central to our faith, it gives us the strength to keep going on. I want us all to stand, if we may. And I'm going to ask um, Laurie at the back, I want you to watch that video again. I want you to capture going into battle. I want you to capture the heart of one man. I want you to capture his desire to save but one. In one night, he saved, they say, over 75 people. 75 people. He went into the enemy camp and he drew them out. God's desire is for one more. He says to each and every one of us, just one more. Our heart cry back to him should be, Lord, help me get one more. Amen? Let's watch this. What the hell is your delay, Captain? We're waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private Doss. Who the hell is Private Doss? I always dreamed about being a doctor, but I uh, didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. Would you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. And that's going to be my way to serve. This is a personal gift from the United States government designed to bring death to the enemy. Well, I'm sorry, Sergeant. I can't touch a gun. She don't kill. No, sir. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war. Private Doss does not believe in violence. Do not look to him to save you on the battlefield. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is cowardice. I'll fall in love with you because you weren't like anyone else saying you could go to prison. But I don't know how I'm going to live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. With the world so set on tearing itself apart, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. Private Doss, you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself.
get you home. There's something you gotta see. Who did this? That's the coward. We have to go back up tomorrow. And they're not gonna go up there without you. get one more. If you look up the story, his whole platoon got to a point where they wouldn't go out unless he was with them. The person that they were trying to throw out was so prayerful. He would pray every night by his bed that people would be saved and they would throw books and shoes at him, wanting to get rid of him. And after that one night, things changed and they wouldn't go out to fight unless they knew he was with him. So is God's desire for us. So is God's desire for us. Ollie, can I just have you on the keys? I know, I know the time, it's not too bad. It's probably time to release you all. So if you need to go, I'm going to release you all. But I want to open up the altar for some ministry time. If that's the desire that you know you need to have inside of you, if you want to fan that into flame... A heart for the lost, then I want to pray for you. Yeah? If you need to go, have a wonderful day. As you meet people, introduce them to Jesus. But if that's the heart that you desire, then while the keys are playing, George, if you want to help just with the guitar, that'd be great. Then come forward and we'll pray. Amen.